You are listening to Subtle Disruptors Melbourne. This is the first series of the podcast, Subtle Disruptors, telling the stories of those who are quietly having an amazing positive impact on their city and the world. And it's this very notion of, let's actually spend some time and invest some time to just disrupt the natural default flow of busyness that many of us find ourselves in. And ask the bigger questions, just get curious around what, what our current trajectory is. This week, for the first time, I have a guest returning to the show for a second time. Dr. Jason Fox has been one of the guests that has prompted the most feedback, and it was a pleasure to be able to chat with him again. This time, we find a bit of a quieter place to chat and talk about what he has been noticing about people and the way they work on his recent travels, as well as something new he is brewing. I'm Adam Murray, and thanks for joining me as I talk with Dr. Jason Fox on the subtle disruption of workplace busyness. Jason, it's been six months and here we are talking again. It's so good to be chatting to you again. Yes, nice to be, nice to be chatting with you too. And uh, in, in, my, in our home, no, <laughs> yeah. no less. A little bit quieter as we've noted prior to this conversation. We, uh, we were in quite a noisy, very cool place last time. Yeah, but it's cool. uh, not often noisy, but yeah, it was cool. Um, I just realised the whiskey that I promised I'd have within arm's reach <laughs> is out of arm's reach, but... We can, we can cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah, sounds good. Enjoy our water for the time being. <laughs> now, I just have to reflect a little bit on your house as well. I love the plant life in here. We're in Fitzroy, but it's in like a warehouse conversion, I take it. Yeah, yeah, it used to be a chocolate factory. Uh, yeah. One of the McRobinson buildings. And um, yeah, and the plants is uh, mainly Kim's doing. Yeah. Um, my partner, Kim. Uh, yeah, we, we love the plants. Who's so, bringing whiskey to within arm's reach. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Cool. Uh, well, this is just, just in case, and we'll get yeah. some glasses and stuff. Yeah. Um, as I was saying just before we put on the recording, I did a Facebook Live thing. I've been, have you ever done a Facebook Live? I haven't. Yeah. Okay, so it's, a, it's an experience. Um, you're there, and you, you've got the camera on you, so you're essentially seeing yourself speak to your phone. And then you see everyone jumping on at different times, and they're liking stuff and comments are flying and there's all sorts of distractions going on and I thought it would be cool to do a whiskey like have a whiskey while I was chatting with folks but I got so caught up in everything that was happening I was sipping the whiskey but not mindfully at all so I wasn't really tasting it or experiencing it but so I've got it here just in case but uh, we'll see if we can do it (laughs) do it do it appropriately we did manage a drink last time so we might be all right yeah yeah. listening back on that one i wonder if i was getting a little bit loose uh and things so good thing is we got we're riding the the high of the peppermint tea at the moment yeah (laughs) now so well how long have you lived here have you lived here for quite a while uh i think it's been three and a half years yeah it feels like a do you do your work out of this space or do you have an office? Yeah, so here's the interesting thing. Um, and this would, uh, many of your um, freelancers, entrepreneurs, and many of your listeners I'm sure can relate to this. Um, most of the work we do um, is from home. And um, I've resisted getting an office space for a long time because I travel so much. Um, but we have a lease that we're taking out on a place next month in Fitzroy, which is... Um, uh, going to be fabulous, another warehouse conversion. Yeah. But um, the reason the reason for that is I'm finding that work is bleeding across different contexts. So we might work on the dining table, but then, you know, go out for dinner and then come back and work's still there and then it's 11pm and we're still doing the work. Yeah. Or, and 
and I, I feel there's, it's almost like the shadow side of flexibility is like, yeah, we can work whenever we want. And what that translates to, because we love our work, is we do work a lot. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's going to be fun to play with the notion of going to work as a location. It's a little bit counter counter trend as everyone's going remote and working from home yeah. to actually go to work and then, you know, leave work at work potentially. That's yeah. the theory. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. That's, I was, a recent episode is, uh, that I did was a lady called Kate Chalice, who's an interior designer who lives on Gertrude oh. Street. Oh, wow. And they found a similar problem and they've got an office, which is a three minute walk a bit further down Gertrude Street now as wow. well. And they just love that. It just, that little bit of separation yeah. makes a world of difference. Yeah, again. yeah. totally. A uh, mate of mine, um, Adam, Dr. Adam Fraser, wrote a book called Third Space, essentially talking about those moments of transition in between spaces and how you can actually use it to, to kind of, um, to bring your best self into the next place. Like, yeah. So, for example, <laughs> um, like one of the rituals we have is uh, like um, taking shoes off the door, and I know you guys do that as well. Um, just because it centers you and so when you're crossing that threshold you're coming into home the thing is though that work has just bled across different contexts and so so yeah so no uh, we, we, we work from here and it's lovely to work at home with our cat pie and a good cup of tea or um, but yeah well, we're gonna give it's we're gonna tough. give this crazy experiment of going to work in an office <laughs> a go yeah yeah my my best working life actually was when I lived in Sydney and I lived in Surrey Hills in an apartment yeah, and I good, worked good location yeah great location and the co-working space that I managed was a two minute walk up the hill and there was a coffee shop an awesome coffee shop called Single Origin oh, Roasters just across the road yeah, yeah. yeah and it was just like this yeah I think I think that's a great setup just a two minute walk yeah it's just that enough of transition like you're talking about but it's um, so close as well there's no commute <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so yes, good to be hanging out again. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, what's what's been going on since the last time we caught up? I imagine there's been quite a bit of travel. Oh, uh, yeah, always. Um, so if that was about six or so months ago, uh, so, <laughs> some really exciting things happening uh, in the team and uh, with, with the projects that we're leaning into and... Um, we, because for a long time it was just me um, in the business, and then I had a virtual assistant because that was all the rage, and uh, and then I realised oh it's not quite as easy as it's made out to be in the four hour work week, or at least <laughs> what I thought. Um, and then had a wonderful business manager, and then we had another uh, Kim joined me in the team, and we finally then were able to start creating projects because it wasn't just dependent on my time. Yeah. But interesting in reflection. There's been a lot of me traveling, um, and that's part of the joy of my work is that I get to go work with um, senior leadership teams and organizations that are grappling with concepts like the future of work and uh, mm. trying to make sense of all the big buzzwords and uh, of, of our times. Um, and I wish I could say that there was a... The, oh, actually, no, I probably can... I was, was going to say, I wish I could say there was a book that we're working on, but you're right. These things do have a way of working. That, there's something we're working on. Um, but uh, <laughs> one of the exciting things was, um, yeah, we were in Scandinavia for a month. Um, spoke at Creative Mornings there in Stockholm. Yeah, cool. And um, got to experience Finnish sauna and, you know, go into the sauna, then dip into a lake and yeah, stuff. And that cool. was fun. Yeah. 
Um, but interestingly, across the world, uh, there are nuances, um, but all every, everywhere, all, I'm seeing that everyone is busy, like busier than ever. And in the strategic offsites that I facilitate or leadership development programs uh, or even conferences, you have people filing in and they're still multitasking emails while they're juggling the day. Um, executives, by the time they get into their positions, they, they've learned how to wing these meetings and they, so they kind of rock up and they, they wing it and, and I see this perpetuation of everyone, no one really knows what's going on or what's on the horizon and at the same time the, 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 the irony is no one's really investing the time to, uh, to, to explore this because of the amount of stuff that's happening. Um, and so this is where the frustration uh, came from when I wrote the, um, the book How to Lead a Quest because after writing The Game Changer, oh, by the way, stop me if I'm rambling too much. But, <laughs> you know <what>? um, <laughs> uh, I wrote The Game Changer and I got booked to, sp to speak about gamification so much uh, and everyone was just looking for these quick fixes, um, just mm. the problems because they didn't invest the time for curiosity and for questioning and for um, exploring. And so I wrote How to Lead a Quest, um, and I still see that need very much, no matter where we are in the world. That's the common theme. Everyone is so busy. Um, everyone's, not everyone actually, I, I always catch myself whenever I use a, um, an extreme like everyone. A lot of people are very busy. Yeah. Um, and a lot seem to be caught in this cycle of default thinking, which they recognize, but um, yeah. That's the, I, I think I did get on a ramble, but that's the space that I've been playing in with people. Do you think, do, so people are noticing their busyness as well, do you think? Yeah. Yeah. And they're they just are. not sure what to do about it? Well, they, or they are, don't but care. I think they're noticing their busyness, but I think part of the challenge is the, the, the cult of productivity. I think that they notice they're busy, and so what they find themselves doing, and this, I, myself too at times, we find ourselves looking for productivity hacks um, that mm. treat the symptoms of busyness. Um, so they do allow us to get email processed faster. They do allow us to have more efficiencies in our meetings um, uh, and so on. But what that tends to result in is people are just doing more stuff. Like they're just filling up the time with even more stuff. Um, so I feel like the cult of productivity and productivity hacks is just perpetuating the same type of thinking. Um, and. And so the joy that I have uh, and the joy of what we're doing right now, the, the kind of the deeper conversations, the rare conversations, which I just don't think is happening enough in organizations, that comes from a deliberate leaning into uh, of, of rituals. It's when teams get together and they, or even individuals identify that, you know, some things are too important to let to have succumb to busyness and we need to carve out time against the grain of busyness so that we can progress the things that matter. Um, and so, so rekindling that, actually having people connect with each other as people and in a, in a way that has rhythm and cadence and some sort of a sacred routine amongst people, I'm really enjoying that. I'm enjoying seeing folks just get out of the autopilot and the default thinking, the politics, and, and just connect with each other at people, give it, give it, giving themselves time to think and to explore, and then to start yeah. to see that momentum and sense-making together as they make meaningful progress. Yeah. I reckon there's a bit of not seeing that as work either, and people feeling guilty about that, and you know, going on coffee breaks or whatever where they talk, but yeah. amazing ideas, all those curiosities being explored, but 
yeah, not, oh, should we be doing this? Yeah, well, and so this is this is part of um, the interesting thing, I, and you're, you're spot on. Um, the biggest, <laughs> the thing that actually gets in the way, like, I had this, I had a great way to say this. Um, the things that provide the richest sense of progress are often the very things getting in the way of meaningful progress. And this is this is because. Our, our behavior naturally gravitates to the things that provide a rich sense of progress. It's why when we're not getting progress in the work that we're doing, we turn to Candy Crush, Bejeweled, and other mm, things like that. Yeah. It's why emails are so a- attractive, because you can kind of chip away at them and get that sense of progress. Um, but what I believe this leads to is, is, if we're not careful, is potentially a rich delusion of progress, where we're ticking all the boxes and perpetuating uh, a sense of progress that's not actually leading us closer to future relevance. And this is the, that's the frame that I use in terms of asking the question, what is meaningful? It's when we combine curiosity with empathy for emerging needs. And we ask ourselves the question, is what we're doing now, does that make sense? Or does that bring us closer to future relevance? Does this meet the emerging needs of the market or the people that we serve? Um, is this activity going to be coherent in future contexts. So for example, if you, if, if we were advertising our business with the Yellow Pages these days, it probably doesn't make sense. It would have made sense two decades ago. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense now. But there are a lot of things that we're doing now that just won't make any sense in the very, very near future. And the thinking though, to explore what, what does meaningful progress look like? What, are, what will lead us closer to relevance? that doesn't give you the same immediate gratification and sense of progress as many of the default things, which is why we often find ourselves defaulting to these defaults, uh, the things that provide a more immediate quantitative measure of progress tend to be uh, favoured a lot more than this, this exploration of the volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous, qualitatively biased um, spaces that that ultimately do lead us to future relevance if we allow ourselves the time to explore it. Um, and, it I, and I experienced that too. Uh, it's, if, if, oh, my whole team, like it's, it's hard, it's harder to actually lean into this. Yeah. But I think when we have rituals and we have things to anchor ourselves around it, um, we can do this. Yeah. I, I, the way I experience this sometimes is um, when I'm doing something really really creative or just something and by that I mean bringing something into being that I haven't done so before it might be I'm writing a blog post or I mm. might be um, just even when I first started creating this podcast right and I was just writing down the yeah, things wh- when did it start how long ago um, so I, I really started about this time last year is when I first oh, started recording yeah, yeah so it's about 12 months October last year um, and I I noticed what was happening is that I get this feeling in my body like I'd actually feel it in different parts of my body and be a discomfort and it was almost like the new idea was coming mm. out or mm-hmm. from a, from somewhere and it was coming out and I and it felt uncomfortable it felt new and I'd want to do something to almost get away it was a bit of a fear of it was a fear of it and sometimes I go and eat or sometimes yeah, I get yeah, on yeah. Facebook or sometimes I just walk away because mm-hmm. I don't know I couldn't handle what was about mm. to happen but those times where I managed to stay in the moment, stay, you know, just sort of feel that feeling and then let whatever was going to come out, come out. It was usually pretty cool and pretty amazing. Yeah. And how does it, how does it come out? Do you, do you, 
Are you, you, do you use a moleskin? Do you journal? Do you speak with people? What's, what's your way of, uh, I guess, translating what might be an inkling or a yeah. hunch into something that's a little bit more formed? Um, what, what's that look like for you? For me, it's uh, ideally, it's at a standing desk. It's always with a pen and loose leaf paper and preferably different colored pens as well. Right. So I'm, I'm creating, um, actually, it's often a, a piece of butcher's paper, ideally, and wow. I've just got Sharpies and I'm doing all kinds of stuff on there, just, yeah, brain dumps and connections and, yeah. yeah. butcher's paper because you're mind mapping or you're using big strokes to kind of... Both, yeah, okay. big strokes and mind mapping and, you know, writing things here and, you know, circling them and joining them together and just seeing, oh, wow, there's something emerging here and then condensing it, mm. yeah. And then, so once you have it out, do you step back and look at it and then continue to ponder and percolate on it? And That's right, yeah. Sometimes I'll step away. I'm like, after I've kind of, like, okay, cool. That's really good what I've got out. I don't think there's anything more for now. I'll go and maybe I'll go grab a coffee or I'll, you know, go yeah. kick the footy or whatever. I'll, you know, have a bit of a break and then it might be another day or two and I come back yeah. to it and like, yeah. yeah, this is really good and I just need to tighten this up a bit here and it's looking yeah. good. Yeah. I love the restlessness that comes, you know, the, the kind of that, that background angst that's a, a really a positive angst, this sense of uh, it's, it's not quite there yet, but yeah. something is there. Yeah. And then the places that we take ourselves to go in order to to get ourselves closer to understanding that. So I was, I was having a chat with the um, head of Atlassian's uh, research and development, um, Don Price, he's a wonderful guy, and he, was, he had this wonderful thing of saying, um, you know, when he's feeling stuck, um, the answer isn't in his head, it's in someone else's, and he actually needs to go out there and, and talk with people and find the answer to his thing inside, inside other people. Yeah. Which I thought was was really great because I have this tendency to go very um, kind of hermit mode, very uh, yeah, I guess I get all hunched over and broody, and I just brood and kind of research and sketch things and scrunch up the paper and just you know and stuff. And eventually, out of that brooding and the darkness and stuff, stuff emerges. Um, and so I'm fascinated by what people's different processes are because there's not one size yeah. fits all. Um, uh, cool. I'm. I'm also. Uh, I'm also very. Speaking of an idea, uh, we were talking about this just before, and I'm very, very excited. The fact that uh, one of the many ideas that you have is coming to fruition <laughs> yeah. very soon. It um, is. Yeah. Uh, I would. I would love if, if, if selfishly, I you can indulge me in asking you <laughs> some questions yeah. on this. Um, so you have. Oh, how do I even d- describe this? Um, you have the solution to uh, an angst that I find myself in uh, daily and many of the other people that I know find themselves in, in where you go to a cafe, a cool cafe, and you have uh, an exquisite coffee, um, some single origin, maybe a geisha bean that's grown at high altitudes, beautiful floral aromas, nice silky mouth fields, it's divine. Um, and even despite having possibly a little glass of fizzy water served on the side, um, I realize, oh, I've got um, coffee breath and I'm going to a meeting soon. And I always forget to bring any mints or anything like that and I just don't know what to do. <laughs> tell me, 
tell me what tell me more about this idea of yours because that is the angst that I find myself in. <laughs> and I mean that's the that is the angst that that got this whole thing started as well. And it was an angst that sat with me for about two years. And I just would go to it. I'd be scratching my head thinking, why don't they stock mints? Like I just don't get it. And I'd even ask some cafes, and I'd just be a bit like, Meh. yeah. And um, yeah, so that was about two years ago, and. It's funny, like you were saying about the guy from Atlassian, like I, the only reason I started exploring it was because I, st I told it to a friend. I said, oh, I've got this crazy idea. And he's just like, man, you should just try that. It's so easy to test. Just mm. go and do it. And so mm. I just started asking some cafes. Um, it seemed to have legs. And then I just picked one question that I needed to answer, which was how much would it cost to make a tin of mints? Mm. And then having to answer that question I had to obviously answer a whole series of other things but it it kind of proved the concept and gave me a price because once I got a price I could work out if it was actually feasible to make and if I could you know sell mm. it for a, a margin if cafe owners thought that was a good a good thing to do so that you know that took me a year of exploring and a few yeah. rabbit warrens and just you know eventually getting to this point where I had all, you know, had all the ingredients. I had the tin, I had the mint, the mint oil. Um, we've got, you know, this other local artist element to it as well, and found some business. Just started talking to a few friends it. as well, yeah. who really, you know, gravitated to the idea. And and um, there's four of us now who are working on it. And we've all sort of brought our different skill sets and and have created this uh, created this thing that I'm really so excited about. It's just. Um, I don't know, and it's funny because it's been such a passion. It's a, and I don't really like that word, but it's just it's been <laughs> so. so um, I don't know why I said it, but it's been such a. I don't know. When I used to work um, mm. as an employee, when I come against a problem, it'd just be a real pain in the ass mm. to come up against the problem. But it's kind of like now when I come up against problems in this business, it's like it's a test of my yeah. problem solving ability yeah. and I kind of really like it. I'm yeah. like, oh, cool. Yeah. I reckon I can somehow work this out and I love Next grappling level, with it and thinking in the shower. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, it's, um, it's all come together and we've got our first batch of tins that'll be starting to hit Melbourne cafes in uh, two weeks from the Fantastic. time that we're interviewing. Oh, yeah. that, that's awesome. That's so cool. Um, I, I hope this doesn't create awkwardness for you and this, this is not, this. if you're listening to this, this is not pre-scripted at all. Um, but where can where can people find out about this? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But I'm, I'm just, yeah, yeah, I love it. Okay, so... Um, I'm in these situations, right? I'm on, on the other side and I'm like um, half an hour after the interview finishes, like, oh, shit, I should probably have maybe mention something so yeah this is really cool yeah all right so um instagram uh, instagram's yeah. a great way yeah so our instagram uh handle is roy mintco um and yeah our facebook page is roy mintco as well and you just search for roy mintco and we've got a website um we'll be in about probably a, a select few of melbourne's best cafes Awesome. 10 to 12 cafes Great. to start with. Um, but you'll be able to find out who the stockers are on our website and through our Instagram feed. Yeah, so Roy. Yeah. Roy. Roy yeah. yeah. Sweet. Like Fitzroy, Glenroy. My son's name is Royce too, so awesome. there might be a little bit of a tie in there. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah thanks. I love it how, I love it how um, the attunement to it, like um, we're talking about um, the empathy for future needs before and that kind of attunement like a subtle thing 
Um, oh, yeah, nice little hat tip to the <laughs> podcast. But like a, a subtle thing that most people would have overlooked and the, the choice to actually stay with that ang- angst, you know, why isn't this happening or why isn't it happening? Because you could have easily just gone on with things. But I love that sense um, and, I, and I feel that there are many people out there that kind of recognize, oh, that's kind of frustrating. Yeah. But then the process of actually pursuing it, exploring it, because I imagine you had you had a simple question right around the, the pricing of things, but that would have blossomed out into all sorts of complexities. Yeah. Uh, and persisting on that path of navigating through complexity to do something that um, you've never done before. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's phenomenal. It's, uh, it's what I call pioneering. <laughs> yeah, um, so cool. I can't wait. I can't wait for... Well, this angst to disappear. Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going uh, to pour us a, a celebratory whiskey um, <laughs> while, uh, while we segue into the next uh, yeah. topic. Well, let me... So I was just wanted to pick up on something you said then mm-hmm. about, about that complexity and navigating complexity mm-hmm. because... And maybe you can talk about this particularly in new things, but the way I, I kind of do that is by by focusing on one thing. <laughs> so yep. I try and get it down to just one thing that I'm actually doing at any one time. Mm-hmm. And there might be a whole backlog of things I know I need to do, but it's like the one constraint. And with the yeah. mints, it was things like, okay, I need to find a manufacturer or I need to find, of the mint. So if, if, I, if I can't solve that question, mm-hmm. cheers, there's um, yes. nothing, it's not worth cheers. going on. Cheers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's the only thing that really matters right Like the now. next best action. Yeah, like if, it, it wouldn't matter if I found 50 cafes that wanted it or if I found a tin mm, manufacturer. If mm, I couldn't actually make a mint, mm, what's the point in going on? So mm. I'd, I'd sort of hide, I'd hone in on the one <laughs> so thing. You didn't start with your logo design? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And printing business cards that, you know, uh, mint, mint as it entrepreneur was. or something? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So, so that that clarity, like a singular focus. What what does that look like in a day? Would you kind of wake up and I, I love this. Um, how, um, for example, anyone who's listened to Tim Ferriss's podcast, he uh, got the idea. We got the idea from him around the the notion of morning pages, where you wake up and you just get mm. all that mm. noise out of your head and you just journal it down. I imagine similarly, the complexity of everything. What's your process for working out? What is that? What is that? That next thing? What's that? That core thing? Yeah, I don't know what my process is. It's, but it's. I just, I um, have you heard of Eli Goldratt? No. So he, um, he kind of, he was about. He book a, He wrote a. He developed something called the theory of constraints, mm-hmm. which is essentially mm. what I'm talking mm. about there. Mm. It's about. Uh, he he, talk, he called himself, uh, I guess, a, a science of a scientist about business is sort of how he okay. understood yeah, himself. Cool but um, but yeah, the theory of constraints. So it's just about where is the constraint? There's only ever one constraint. There's only ever one bottleneck, and mm-hmm. that's the one that you need to optimize if you can, mm-hmm. and find mm-hmm. will solve and optimize mm-hmm. and expand if you can, and then the constraint will move. Mm-hmm. So I guess since reading his work. I think I've started thinking like that mm. about a whole lot of things, particularly about mm-hmm. business. And it's always been like, well, okay, where's the constraint right now? Okay, so with the mints right now, the constraint is we actually mm. just need to get the product made. 
without yeah. a product, yep. we don't have anything. So yep. once we've got the product made, the constraint will be we need to get cafes to stock them and then it will be we need to get people to buy them. So it's yep. just sort of like, I guess it's moving down the value chain <laughs> in a way, but just not getting too far ahead mm. of things that we don't need to worry about now and just sort of yeah, push them away. Yeah, yeah. I recall a, a quote from my own book, The Game Changer, uh, in which I, the original thing I got from a guy called Peter Sheehan, he wrote a book called Making Shit Happen, uh, and he, he says essentially freedom follows focus. And um, I then played with that and added some lines to that, freedom follows focus, and sequence gives you the freedom to focus in the notion that you don't have to do everything at once. If yeah. you've got some sort of sequence in place, you can just park other things into the future and focus on the one thing that's going to lead you forward. Yeah. Um, I say that, but I often forget to do that. Interestingly, this complexity piece, um, it's something that many leaders in large multinational, even um, SME, all, all organizations are grappling with. And it's becoming recognized now that experience can be a disadvantage when it comes to complexity um, because in complex environments, if you have a lot of experience in that, you'll tend to default to what you know as opposed to actually explore the greater complexity of things. And uh, there is this, uh, there's a group that I love reading and following. Um, it's an author by the name of Aaron Dignan um, who's set up a group called The Ready. And he wrote a, po uh, a post on Medium about why we dumb things down. And he essentially talks about this reductionist loop in which you have incredibly complex concepts, like, well, not actually, not incredibly com complex, but relatively complex concepts like blockchain, um, uh, happen in organized blockchain being the, the background stuff that... Um, um, cryptocurrency or Bitcoin work work with um, yeah. it's incredibly traceable. You can preserve the the. I actually don't really know the the deeper workings of it, which is kind of partly the thing. But interestingly, I know a little bit more than. Um, so it's, well, here's here's the thing that happens: you have blockchain and all the complexities around that, uh, and then that kind of again gets progressed down into because executives are so busy. By the time they're reviewing it, it's down to this one line: blo uh, blockchain is a trend we should monitor. Um, and everyone agrees and nods in that and then later they're having to make decisions on this blockchain thing which yeah. I don't really understand but they've been nodding along for enough time that we kind of kind of do something here and that's that what's that's what Aaron Dignan refers to as a reductionist loop and I feel like with complexity um, there's a difference between simplicity as in appreciating the complexity and then working out what that next action is or what the singular fo focus is yeah. and simply dumbing things down, um, which is, I feel, the lazier path that, that many, many go in um, when there is a rich complexity of things and then things are just dumbed down. Um, and in, in that process, you lose the appreciation and the understanding of the complexity yeah. and you miss all the opportunities inherent within it. Yeah. I said all, but I meant many. I try to avoid extremes. I had this. I did this thing um, at uni. I did a minor in eco philosophy. Um, my undergraduate was in environmental science, and uh, then studied education for behaviour change, which led into my research in behaviour change. Um, 
But in eco-philosophy, I was introduced to the notion of dualisms around how you simply break things into right, wrong, male, female, um, black, white, all those things. And that's another form of um, reductionist or the kind of this, this of dumbing things down. When you simply break things into two categories, um, all the nuance disappears. Mm. And that's, that's where I think... Uh, I've gone on another, another ramble, but that's where I think that that's where I think the hidden pathways lie is between the two extremes, the 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 two obvious answers, the the hidden paths, the the alternative viable options to our defaults yeah. are in amongst the nuances. Um, so complexity. I can't remember how we got here, but it's been a good journey. <laughs> Awkward laughter. Yes. Um, So I think, I mean, anyway, maybe we just wrap it up with this. But uh, (laughs) whenever there is maybe the opportunity, whenever we see things that are just put into two categories, that's like the opportunity to explore where the nuance is. That's like Mm -hmm. people are dumbing it down to that. There's gold in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Let's. Let's. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. (laughs) That's good. But this is um, partly the thing. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna switch and do a. um, um, I guess a not so subtle um, plug about um, an event that we've got coming up, which yeah. you're coming to, and I'm Thanks very excited yeah. about that. Um, uh, it's uh, at, at Deacon Edge on the 29th of November. Um, we're calling it Percolate, and it's this very notion of let's actually spend some time and invest some time to just disrupt the natural default flow, flow of busyness that many of us find ourselves in. And ask the bigger questions, just get curious around what, what our current trajectory is. And I, I've put this event on because, because ironically, um, this has been an incredibly busy year for me. And you are talking about bottlenecks before. Um, I've noticed increasingly in my business that I am the bottleneck um, because it's a practice. Um, if I'm not hopping on flights, if I'm not um, you know, in front of a room facilitating things or working with clients, there's very little revenue coming into the business. And so there are big questions that I need to ask. What does this look like? And I know that many other people in organizations find themselves leaping from one quarter to the next, doing much of the same thing and missing the opportunity to find those nuances, to ask the bigger questions, to really to percolate on what meaningful progress might look like in the new year ahead. And I know that many people do new year things in January or stuff like that. They'll go set goals and whatever. But I thought it might be interesting to run an event towards the end of November, November 29th to be specific, (laughs) um, that will provide a rich diversity of thoughtful provocations to and a lot of questions for people to ponder on over December so that when mm. people go and leave or when you catch up with family over over the end of the year or with friends and you're asking the questions or having the conversation around what's going to be different about the new year, you've had some time to think about it and to percolate and ponder, um, to do your morning journalis- journaling, to, to really nurture the hunches and the inklings that you may already be harboring and to charter what meaningful progress might look like in the new year ahead. Um, we've got uh, some wonderful partners on board, Proud Mary Coffee Roasters, they're a great um, uh, uh, cafe and roaster. We've got Starwood Whiskey, which is what we're enjoying oh, right really? now. Um, <laughs> they're partnering with us. Uh, um, and 
it's uh, we've got some jazz going on. Uh, we're flying Rowan Gunatalaki from the UK. He's the creator of the Buddhify app, um, which is uh, beautiful modern mindfulness in the digital age. Yeah. Um, a whole mix of really f wonderful people in a room asking the questions, considering what's going to be different. What does meaningful progress look like um, as we pioneer uh, ahead? So that's, that's what's coming up. I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah, specifically awesome. because I think what we're doing now and um, though these types of conversations are, are, are quite rare otherwise in amongst mm. the business. Um, Is, so, I know, and I've heard you talk at other conferences as well about how to get the most out of conferences and mm -hmm. particularly um you know you amazingly at the purpose conference did i think one of the last sessions which is typically probably the hardest session to do mm -hmm. at a you know a long mm -hmm. conference but it was you know it was awesome and what you did was get us to think about okay just write down some actions some concrete actions that you're going to take mm -hmm. as soon as you get home so you don't just go i guess my question is mm -hmm. how are you designing percolate to incorporate you know all of your best thinking about how a conference should be and how people can get a lot out of it. Yeah, well, ironically, um, <laughs> this is partly the an interesting thing. This this conference is not about answers, and it's not necessarily about prescribing actions. Um, so I, I think it's a really useful thing in any event um, to give people a little bit of space to process um, the event experience and to translate it into some sense of what meaningful progress might look like. So at an event, um, Purpose was a, an amazing event at any conference. Um, what often happens at the end is you get an incredibly motivating um, speaker and everyone will leave in this kind of euphoric, inspired um, sense of wonder about everything. Uh, but unless we kind of translate some of that into, into things, it, it might just dissipate. Ironically, or interestingly, with Percolate, um, I briefed each of the speakers to not just do the standard presentation and give people their top tips and so on and give them some specific actions to lean into because, um, I don't know, I sometimes I have these modes where I get slightly jaded with the conference scene because I get this feeling like I've seen all this before and so on and I know that many of the people that, um, uh, that I hang out with and work with, they're widely read, they listen to podcasts, they're, they're aware of these things. And so yeah. I didn't really want to have something that was biased towards simple um, things. I, I, I didn't want to shy away from complexity or ambiguity. And, and so instead, each speaker has been briefed to give, um, to, to gift the audience with really good questions. And uh, to have these questions to be the worthy types of questions that, that oh, I don't know what the answer is, you know, and I don't know immediately, but I'm going to ponder on this. Mm. And I think with uh, a diverse mix of these questions in the right context with space and time to think, and um, I do have me a slight version, a, a slight bias to introversion, but a nice mix of time to think and some really thoughtful conversations over a contemplative whiskey. Um, will serve as a precursor for some very meaningful progress as people ponder these questions over December. Yeah, awesome. Well, let me ask you, where, where can people buy tickets if they need to buy tickets? Oh, wow. <laughs> no, so prepared. Um, just go to cleverness.com. Okay. Um, cleverness.com. Uh, 
I should probably let you guys know that uh, we have this little sneaky code that I shared on my newsletter. Um, a wizard is, is never late. Uh, we've been increasing the ticket fee by $100 each month. Um, so if you use the code, a wizard is never late, or one word, or lowercase, uh, you'll get a you'll get $100 off on that ticket ah, price. Brilliant. Thank you for that. That's excellent. No worries. Oh, cool. Um, I feel like we should talk about one more thing before we wrap up. Um, yeah. Well. Oh, have you got something to talk about? I've no. got a couple of questions that I always wrap up yeah, with. Yeah, but I just, yeah. I just didn't want to leave, wrap up on the, like the, the, the plug bit. So, <laughs> you know, so there's the, the bury it in some more value. If uh, you've got something you want to talk about. No, though. no, it's great. No, I'm loving it. I love good questions. Yeah, so. well, yeah. The, the, I was thinking, um, even though I've asked you these two questions before, I, I mean, I always ask them at the end of the podcast. So I can, oh, good yes. I can ask you again and we can uh, see I how it evolved. Yeah, yes. so the first one's about... Um, so the first question is about a, a subtle disruption that you daydream about, about being part of. So is there something mm. over the past six months that's come across your come oh. across your path, or something else that you're um, been yeah thinking about lately that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we were just talking about this with you beforehand. A subtle disruption that I daydream about. What's coming up recently? Um, and I might add something that. Uh, something that the danger lamb has engaged in um <laughs> i i get uh, a little subtle disruption right combine really really good questions really good thought-provoking questions with street art I, I would love to like i just got like in fitzroy we have all sorts of street art going yeah. on and albeit stickers or some sort of things i'd love to like put some really kind of thought-provoking kind of philosophical or intellectual questions in unexpected areas that for people that are walking home and kind of have that habituation kind of like see that and maybe just subtly start thinking oh i don't i don't know what like this is this is combined with um i'm very inspired by the school of life yeah um they have a, a beautiful range of products and um they seem to be releasing these decks of different questions um and I'm also very inspired by this comic, um, which for anyone who's interested, the simplest way I can say that you can find this is to just Google a day in the park comic. And it's this beautiful comic, a day in the, in the park comic of this person who sits down on a bench and another person comes and sits down on the bench and says, oh, what have you got there? And this person has essentially a collection of questions and he or she loves collecting questions yeah. and the other guy harumps and says oh what use of questions give me a good old answer any day <laughs> and it's this really good um philosophical jaunt through uh, or sorry meander more than a jaunt a meander through the distinctions between questions and answers and the values of each uh, relatively and i think yeah wouldn't that be cool like a little subtle disruption plant some really good questions in unexpected places to have people to percolate in That'd in different awesome. ways yeah. yeah so that's currently the thing who knows what it'll be in six months time when we next catch up <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and the last question's about a subtle disruption that you've made in your own life that's had a a positive impact or a big impact that would be interesting for other people to hear about maybe it's once again interesting for something perhaps you've discovered in the past six months yeah yeah great um well and twofold um, I hmm. 
you know, that's a funny thing. I'll actually say that. I say twofold. I was like, I don't know what the answer is yet, but I'll, I'll give myself two <laughs> options. So that if I say the first one, it sounds shit. I'll like land on the second one. Um, so anyway, <laughs> let's be honest. I, I've, um, uh, I'm going to go to a subtle disruption I've done personally is I finally started to get in some bare semblance of a gym routine. And this is at Fifth Element Wellness. Uh, you interviewed uh, yeah. Matt from uh, 5EW. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're close by. For, for eons, I'd use my travel as a, as a reason why I couldn't. You know, it's so disruptive. There's no point joining a gym. I'm hardly there and so on. But, but one of the nifty things they have is a mandated uh, PT session once a week. Um, and I find that that's actually a way, um, it's funny, I, motivation science is kind of partly my thing, but I find it very effective at keeping me there. And and so, and, and, I, and I find that there's been a really good buffer amongst the busyness. Um, looking after yourself uh, physically helps you with mentally. Oh, we all know the science around this, um, but uh, for me, despite nodding at the facts of it all, um, in the last six months I've actually been doing something for my physical health. Not that I've been terribly unfit, but I've just been a little bit more deliberate about it, and I'm feeling it. It's, it's good. You are feeling it, yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Jason, thank oh, you thank for you. Thank you very much. in your house. Thanks for another chat again. No really worries. Appreciate it, was, it, it was so good. It's nice to hang. Yeah, it really is. Cheers. Cool. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Subtle Disruptors. I hope you got something out of it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the show, including any suggestions you have for guests. You can get me on email through adam at subtledisruptors.com. And if you enjoyed listening and would like to be part of getting the word out about the Subtle Disruptors of Melbourne, a great way to do this is through jumping into iTunes and rating and reviewing this podcast. I'm Adam Murray, and I look forward to hearing about your own Subtle Disruption. Bye for now.